You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is episode 97 of the Apple Insider Podcast, where we talk all things Macintosh, Apple, and iOS related. So this week, we've got some killer deals going on where you can save $140 to $275 instantly on Apple's new Touch Bar MacBook Pros with Apple Care and no tax in the United States. And that's on every configuration of Apple's new late 2016 MacBook Pros bundled with Apple Care, including the 13-inch with Touch Bar models and the 15-inch MacBook Pro Touch Bar models. So this is coming through our, our good friends at Adorama. And if you go ahead and shop through our Apple price guide at appleinsider.com, you'll see these lowest prices anywhere. And you'll save anywhere between $250 to $600 with these deals. In addition to the instant savings you get from $140 to $75 off when you use our links and the promo code APINSIDER. So this can save you some decent money. Um the the thing is that these aren't shipping exactly right away. They they begin shipping um, next week without the touch bar. And with the touch bar, they're backlogged three to four weeks. But we have these deals. We're going to put them in our show notes. Now, Mikey, joining me this week, I should say, is Mikey Campbell, editor at Apple Insider. Mikey, Hello. how are you doing? Good. Yeah, things treating you well? A little tired. You know how it is. Yeah, any major life changes going on? Uh, I'm getting married. You are? Yeah. Congratulations. When's that happening? Next year. Next year. Everyone's invited. Everyone's invited. You're just going to have to That's, fly to Hawaii, so. Well, you know, some of our listeners may take you up on that. Yep. Send uh, send invite requests to uh, Neil at Apple Insight. <laughs> Excellent. That's exactly what we want you to do. So we ran a story, and congratulations, by the way. I'm, I'm hoping to attend. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Uh, about Apple scaling back iPhone 7 production as early demand fades. So right. is, is, is this something that should concern people who are worried about the popularity of iPhone? No. I mean, this happens every year. Right. Um, I think, uh, well, the way these rumors usually get started um, is from DigiTimes. So this is uh, coming from supply chain in Asia. And how reliable is that? Well, DigiTimes is a spotty track record. Uh, They're not really that great at uh, predicting overall unit sales, but they do have some... uh, interesting um sources in like uh i think that they have some they have some pretty good uh sources in like the lcd and display fields as far as predicting what apple might be including in an upcoming product but the, as for um analyzing sales so that it's not very good so take take it with a grain of salt but the way the, this these things get uh, started, um, you know, Apple sends out orders or um, estimated orders for quarter or half year or whatever it is, depending on you know what manufacturer, what what supplier, what assembler they're contracting, and then they adjust accordingly as um, 
over the lifetime of the product. And, you know, these, these reports are coming from usually single source suppliers. So it, it's not taking an overall broad look at uh, what's going on. So it's not like, say, um, it's not taking into account the display and the microphone and the chassis and then putting that information together with uh, orders for uh, final assembly. It's usually coming from one one source. So it, it you know, it, it's already not the most accurate way of doing things. So I question whether or not um, it's the, the, uh, the uh, predicted, the, the uh, estimated, not estimated, the revised down orders are due to a lack of demand. Um, and, you know, whether or not Apple just maybe overshot purposely. I mean, you know, Tim Cook's a uh, master of the supply chain. So, um, the last thing he wants is to have, you know, less supply available uh, than is necessary or than they can fill with demand. And it, it's easier to write, uh, you know, estimate. Right, but you also don't want to be paying for warehouse space to hold a product that's not moving. So, right. But I think as we saw the, they're already having uh, supply constraints in the beginning because of, um, uh, I don't think it was because of unusually high demand. I think it was because uh, of the camera module in the iPhone 7 Plus and some other parts in the just the basic iPhone 7 were uh, constrained. So they had to goose orders on that just to fulfill, you know, regular annual, you know, a churn like, uh, you know, people upgrading and people switching over from Android. So they already had problems with that in the beginning. Um it's not like they are stockpiling iPhones and have millions of them sitting in warehouses and they just, you know, right now they're like, Oh God, we, we got to stop. We have to, we have to stop it. We have to, we have to get all this stuff out of our, um, out of our channel first. It's, uh, it's, it's not, that's not this, that's not what's happening here. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of dubious about the, uh, the whole, uh, revised down on demand claim. Okay. So the, uh, you know, the report that we wrote says that demand in China and other markets has scaled back substantially. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also note, as you said, that initial sales were hot partly because of the interest in the jet black model and the death of the galaxy note seven. Yeah. So people were looking for an alternative, but you, you said that, that, this is a typical thing that sales slow down as an iPhone approaches a new year then because the highest demand is during the September launch and the holiday rush. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, cook, he did uh, recognize that, um, there was a slowdown in China during the last, uh, quarterly conference call, which was, you know, over a month ago already. So they've had this data for some time and, um, they're usually ahead of the curve when it comes to uh, order estimates, just because you know that's the nature of the game. So, um, yeah, I mean, they they could be revising down orders because of um, seasonality changes. Um, you know, they they could in the traditionally they've you know kept orders pretty consistent 
uh, I mean, as just consistent as you can with a product like iPhone, which is, you know, um, is the you know demand varies greatly from year to year, um, but um, we we always hear reports about you know orders dropping because of demand, but it uh, usually it, it it remains fairly stable and um, uh, very close to what Apple um, forecasts in their quarterly reports. So I would stick to what what Apple's forecasting. Very good. Okay. That being said, that being said, I don't expect uh, next quarter to be like a huge beat for Wall Street. So invest as you as you see fit. But I don't. I don't think iPhone Seven is you know breaking any records. Mm-hmm. And and. Some people attribute that to it's looking very, very similar to the uh, the iPhone six and six S. Do you think that plays into it? Yeah, I mean, I kind of view the seven as a as like a six S S. It's like just something to kind of tide you over before they unleash the tenth uh, anniversary model on us. Um, whatever that's going to be called, I, I don't think. I think it's going to. Well, it's going to have supposedly dramatic, dr- dramatic changes to the design, and you know, contain a OLED, or at least one model is going to have an OLED screen and glass back, OLED yeah. screen, edge to edge screen, curved glass. The you know, there there are a lot of rumors floating around yeah. out there. So, um, you know, I, it it seems like they're. That was a phone that they were planning on releasing this year, but uh, manufacturing snags and probably mostly due to the uh, OLED allotment worldwide, there's just simply not enough to uh, fulfill demand for an iPhone, even if it's just one model. <clears throat> that probably you know hindered their plan to launch that phone this year so they're they push it back a year and they stuck in the iphone 7 you know just to just so they could have a phone basically to launch i mean it's 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 an evolutionary change there wasn't anything revolutionary about it okay but let me say this right after 10 years of iphones the the whole history of it is evolutionary right mm-hmm. the first one was revolutionary and then and every one since has been an evolution on that yeah well revolutionary in the sense that a, a consumer sees it because consumers see design changes as revolutionary right in many cases mm-hmm. like you you know they have this this when, when they started doing they moved away from the uh, um, they started doing the the TikTok every two years right with the iPhone 4 and then the iPhone five, and then the iPhone six, the the design change was arguably one of the most important features of the phone. Right? So, you know, and not not concerning yourself with what's on the inside of the phone, the what it appeared to be on the outside, its aesthetics was a major selling point, right? For many people. I mean that's probably what people talked about most when you get an iPhone 
is the design. So, I would argue that the design is a can be uh, can it can be argued that the design is itself you know one of the deciding factors for many people who are switching to iPhone or planning to upgrade from a previous iPhone. Like a lot of people don't want to upgrade. Like when the five uh, uh, S came out, a lot of, or when the four S came out, a lot of people don't didn't want to uh, upgrade because I mean it, they look the same. So what's the point? Yeah, they looked the same. And actually, there were people. Uh, the, the, the way that I got my four S was I bought one secondhand mm. from someone who bought it on launch day and realized that he didn't like Siri at the time. That he liked the voice styling before mm. and didn't realize that he could turn it off in system settings. Yeah. So people buy the thing and aren't always enamored with the new features. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing could be true of the iPhone 7 where the it's no longer a physical home button, but you now feel it vibrate or feel the haptic feedback, and, and that can be disconcerting at first. Yeah. I haven't really... And, and add that with the headphone jack, right? And, and now you've got a whole reason to not buy one. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of miss the headphone jack. Do you? Yeah, because I have to look around for my lightning headphones. And they all look the same. So, I, it would be gr- <laughs> like if the if they made one that was maybe black, you know, instead of white, and didn't look exactly the same as all the other, you know, three point five millimeter um, plugs models. It would be fine, but I I pick one up and it's not the right one. And because I have I've had so many iPhones and iPads and iPods, so you have like have nine like, pairs of earbuds, yeah, and. and one of them is one the of them one. Is, yeah so it's irritating to me i don't i mean it's not like a common problem but i find it irritating although i don't uh i didn't find i what i first was not really taking to the uh home button but mm-hmm. i've come to uh i've come to like it so which model phone do you have personally uh, this year I switched to the seven plus for its camera. And which color is it? Uh, jet black. And how many iPhones did you buy this year? Um, only that one this year. Really? Because in years past you've bought one of every type. Yeah. Not this year. I'm on a budget, man. I'm on a budget. <laughs> it's the economy. Man. So, so the the headphone jack thing has been a slight nuisance to you. Yeah, I mean, I was hoping to alleviate that with the AirPods, but well, those should be coming. Yeah, and Powerbeats three are available. Yep. I'm sorry, but I I don't like Beats products. The sound quality is not. Okay, but the power beats, how, how is that going to affect you? Power beats? Yeah. Um, power beats 3, why not? I guess, but it's kind of pricey for what you get. I'd rather buy uh, some other brand, third-party brand. Although the W1 chip is is intriguing to me. I'm saying that's that's why you'd get it, right? That's the same reason why you'd get the AirPods. Yeah. Right. I mean that the Apple's headphones are not of the highest audio quality either. In fact, they're probably some of the worst, but still it, it just works with the ecosystem. 
So that's true. And and the real magic of the W1 from the user standpoint is that once you've paired them with your iPhone, that they then pair with all of your other Apple devices on your iCloud account. Mm-hmm. Right. As long that's, as you, I mean, you know, you'll get used longer battery life. You'll get some other benefits, but that's the one that's immediately apparent if you have more than one thing. Yeah, I'm still uh, I'm still running um, OS X on my on my Mac on my main Mac. What what else would you run on your main Mac? Uh, Mac OS Sierra. Ah, okay. Yeah. OS so you're still on El Capitan. I'm on El Cap. Yes. Why is that? Um, I used, uh, I mean, I went through all the beta versions and I just prefer Mac. Uh, I just prefer OS 10 to Mac OS right now. Um, is there anything specific you can pin down for that? No, I mean, I just, I, I feel like it, I mean, uh, OS 10 runs a lot smoother on my machine. I have like a, I have a, late 2013 so it's already getting you know kind of long in the two pushing three years here yeah yeah gotta gotta upgrade every year so i need i I need speed over the the feature set that mac os offers okay plus i have some you know apps that are not yet mac os compatible yeah, and I found that there were many that that in my transition to Sierra no longer worked. Mm-hmm. So, are are you going to get one of the new MacBook Pros? Got one and returned it. Oh, okay, tell me how that went. <laughs> you're 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 batting a thousand here, but tell me. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I mean, it was good. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And, um, you know, the touch bar is great. I got, I, I got a 15 inch model, but I was kind of bummed by the 16 gigabyte limitation. And in the end, the touch bar for me right now is not that much of a game changer that I can't wait another year. You need some more software to support it before it becomes meaningful. Yeah. To you. Yeah. And I can wait another year until, uh, Intel's next gen chips, you know, that can address yeah. thirty two well, gigs of, it's of RAM. Interesting because the 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 rumor is that Intel's going to announce that chip at CES next month. Yeah, right. Right. So I mean it'll def uh, I don't know definitely, but it should be available uh they should be fabbing it by the time the next MacBook Pro update comes around. Unless Apple speeds it up and does like a bit longer than a half year cycle, but I don't think so. Yeah. So I, could, I don't know. Yeah. How are you getting on with the USB C stuff when you were doing it? That was pretty painful. Uh, had a lot of dongles. Um, luckily, I had some uh, around, some adapters, but I think the worst thing for me was the death of MagSafe hmm. because uh, it's just, I don't know, it's like in my muscle memory already <laughs> to just kind of pop that on and yeah. it feels weird to, to plug in my computer. Well, if if I had one of those machines, I would have gotten the, the third-party uh, 
MagSafe like adapter the, for the you. Belkin one. Uh, I was thinking the Griffin one. Oh, the Griffin one. Yeah. Does Belkin make one as well? I thought. I don't know. There's either. I, I, it must be the Griffin one because um, it is either Belkin or Griffin. You know, one of those. Okay. Yeah. No, I know. No, Griffin does for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Except it doesn't stick out a little bit. It does stick out a little bit, but um, <laughs> Johnny Ive is crying, man. Uh, you know what? They took away the magnets, and if you think that having a magnetic power cable is very valuable to you, then that's how you get it back. It's true. And and to be honest, personally, I knowing myself and knowing the times that I pick up the laptop without necessarily unplugging it, I find that valuable. So yeah, I would have that. For me, it was kind of like a. It's kind of a necessity at this point because I leave my. I've learned to leave my computer plugged in mm. all the time. Um, Not that that's especially good for the battery either, but no. Well, I mean, I do cycle the battery from about at least once a week, so I, okay. I try to keep it, you know, up as far as health is concerned. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, I leave it plugged in, and then sometimes my cat will, you know, yank the cable out or something by accident. There's a lot of times where if it was connected through a, a hard plug and port, it would have gone flying. And yeah. So luckily it didn't happen with the one that I returned, but uh, I could definitely see that happening. Yeah. So one of the cool things about Thunderbolt 3 and USB-C is that it is possible to connect things that you wouldn't normally think you could connect to a laptop, like in, in this example, an external GPU or graphics processing unit. Yeah. It's the dream. It is. And so Razer, which is a company that got bought not too long ago, um, makes a, uh, a Razer Core product that has an NVIDIA GTX 980. Yep. And so we tested the Razer Core and NVIDIA GTX 980, um, and we tested that with the MacBook with the uh, the MacBook Pro. So the the NVIDIA 1080 in Windows 10 delivers nine teraflops. The GTX 1070 delivers 6.5 teraflops. Teraflops is a measure of how much the uh, the, the the graphics card can actually accomplish in process. So the Razer Core and and GTX 980 in Mac OS managed 4.5 teraflops. By way of comparison, the Radeon 460, the Radeon Pro 460 in the high-end build-to-order 15-inch MacBook Pro manages just 1.6 teraflops. So by using this external graphics processing unit, you're already doing significantly better. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was yeah. the uh, that was the promise of Thunderbolt in the beginning so many years ago. Yeah, well, now we're delivering on it, right? The, after, the, three, after three iterations... Yeah, so so triple the teraflops doesn't correspond linearly to to triple the performance necessarily, but you know things like playing games get a significant boost. So, using the the MacBook Pro with the extra without the external GPU, you know, say we could manage anywhere from you know fifty five frames per second, dropping thirty one point four frames at a minimum, and the uh, with the external GPU, average frame rate rose to eighty one frames per second and never dropped below forty eight. Right. Um, there, there are Final Cut Pro X benchmarks. There's one called Bruce X, and 
with and without the GPU we tested. So the average three runs gave us 46.6 seconds without the GPU mm-hmm. and 26.8 seconds with the GPU. So if you're doing a lot of rendering, this makes a big difference for you, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, obviously, this is not an Apple-supported configuration. This is something that we just kind of plugged in and it actually worked. But the the you know the, the idea that you can just do this is very cool. And if Apple actually supported it, it might be even better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, to make it work, it, it requires a little bit. Uh, so Mac OS has a thing called system integrity protection. So you have to, uh, to edit some files and bypass a few things in order to be able to get it to recognize the, yeah, the outside it's, adapter. It's worth it. I think. Well, I mean, it's it's not like it's a thing for the faint of heart. It's not a difficult thing to do. It's, um, you know, there's a small hack that's available from GitHub and then a DSDT file, which is a configuration file that has to be edited to allow for the functionality. And then you run a script so that the graphics card is identified. And and that's kind of it. But, you know, you, there may be compatibility issues, right? Because the, the GPU is a reference design or, a, or, you know, doesn't require a custom driver. Which is why if Apple supported it officially, then the drivers would be better and you'd get more performance out of it. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the the other issues is that if you software update, things can break again. So it's it's not like it's something you do and expect to be reliable and purchase out of the box. But if you need that performance, it's entirely possible to get it. Yeah. Oh, hold on. One second. Oh, dear. Oh. Yeah, that's my girlfriend. Oh, sorry, fiance. That's that's your wife. That's no lady. That's your wife. She's sick. So I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. She does not sound good. And you're not taking care of her. Uh, well, she's at work. Well, she's coming home from work. I know. So she's sick and went to work. Mm, indeed. You could learn something from that example. How dare you? I work when I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> we don't mean in the head, Mikey. Oh, okay. All right. You know, when when you're sick, there's there's really nothing better than you can do than um, crawl into bed and wait to get well. Mm. Yes. Right. And and I want to mention that it's important to to have a good bed to crawl into. Oh, what kind of bed? Well, I'm I'm t- I mean. <laughs> If if you get sick, you, the, what you really need is comfort, right? You get comfort food. People go to chicken soup or whatever other home remedy they get to. But but getting under the covers in a good bed with a good good mattress to support you is is really the way to go, right? Mm-hmm. And I was talking about this with Neil several episodes ago. So Neil actually bought one of the mattresses that we talk about here on the podcast from time to time. Um, he bought the Casper mattress. And the Casper is an obsessively over-engineered mattress at a really fair price. Um, that's, that's one of the things you're going to find out because as you're getting married, you're going to have to shop for a new mattress. True. And when you do, make note of the prices so we can compare because I want to compare what you find with Casper. Will do. Um, Casper mattresses cost 500 bucks for a twin-sized mattress or 600 for a twin XL, 750 for a full, 850 for a queen, and 950 for a king-sized bed. And it's springy latex with supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right amount of sink and just the right amount of bounce. And they have an in-house team of engineers developing this thing. It's not like they they outsourced it somewhere. They have people dedicated to finding the right mattress 
and making a breathable design that helps you regulate your temperature so you're not too cold or too hot. Um, so you can try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. And if you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially if you're going to spend a third of your life on it, which is about the amount of time you spend sleeping. It's made in America, and there's free shipping and returns within the U.S. and Canada. So get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com insider and using the offer code INSIDER. Terms and conditions may apply, but you'll find all about that there when you go and look into it. And, and Mikey, seriously, Neil bought one. Why aren't you doing it? Um, you know. All the cool kids are. Maybe I'll, uh, I'll look into it. Yeah, you do that. Shop around and report back to us. Will do. So this is something you wrote about that happened basically yesterday and last night. Um, Fitbit mm. is buying a smartwatch maker. Indeed. So you want to tell me what's going on here? Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> Fitbit bought Pebble, the uh, crowd crowdsourced darling, um, and uh, basically what is going to happen, according to people that are familiar with the deal, if it goes through, is that Fitbit is just going to <clears throat> take... Um, Pebble's IP mostly related to their smartwatch OS and scrap the hardware line, which may or may not be making money at this point. So okay. uh, it's a consolidation of it within the smartwatch space. And I, you know, more of this kind of stuff is going to happen in the future. I'm sure Jawbone is not doing so well. I mean, Fitbit itself is not doing so well. Its stock is uh, is down, I think, year over year. So I think um, you know. Well, they, of, they face competition from Apple Watch. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, Fitbit. Yeah, but Fitbit is more of the. Uh, I mean, they they they're trying to dabble in smartwatch. I don't know why, because I mean, well, their bread and butter is the. They don't make a smartwatch. Fitbit on their own make a fitness watch. Yeah, they need to just stick with the low end fitness stuff. I don't know if smartwatch is a lucrative business for them or business model that they can so so what i thought was happening here and you can tell me if i understand this right is they they realized that they have the surge and the blaze that are fitness watches but they're not smart watches by any means and they they could go ahead and buy pebble and take pebbles os and now have a smart watch the thing that pebble always sucked at was pebble was no good at fitness right and so you take the OS and now you have the good fitness bits and a good smartwatch OS and, and go on, carry on making a decent watch. Yeah. I mean, marketing is also a big thing. Um, not many people are enamored by either Fitbit or Pebbles design. I mean, some people love Pebbles design, but well, to, to be really fair, Fitbit's design, not of their smartwatches, but of some of their other products has been getting really good. Oh, right. The, the, fit, yeah, the, the lesser, the, uh, the, the Fitbit Alta is not a bad device. It's a nice looking device. Yeah, it's not bad. The, none of the Pebble devices were that great, although the Pebble round was not bad. The, the Pebble, uh, the, the round faced Pebble was pretty good. The, but the OS has gotten really good for Pebble. I wonder, yeah. I wonder if they're gonna, if uh, Fitbit plans on using any of the e ink tech. 
Pebbles notifications were brilliant. Pebbles, Pebbles calendar view was very good. Um, last year at CES, I did not wear an Apple watch. I, I wore an old Pebble updated to the current level OS and it was great. And I still, I still have one of the two Pebble watches that I've owned in the past. Mm-hmm. And I may charge that up and use it against CS this year because it was so good at calendar notifications. Do it. I might. I just might. It was a very good watch. I wonder if Pebble's gonna. I wonder. I mean, if this deal goes through, they're supposed to ship the uh, their new uh, Time Two and stuff, and that 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 little core thing. That right. They the wearable fitness accessory for it called yeah. Core. It's supposed to ship that in January, but I don't know. May not ever happen. It might not, because one of the things that happens when a company gets purchased like this is that they get shut down and all support gets discontinued. Yeah. So you have two choices, right? You can ship so that everyone feels like they got something of value and then shut down, in which case everyone feels upset about it. Or you just don't ship and uh, everyone still feels upset. Yeah. The the best of all possible worlds is to do what Intel did when Intel cut off the basis product. Oh right. Yeah. The uh, the basis peak watches and then they actually did it and supported this pro- program for the earlier basis watches too. Was that they uh, they recalled them all and offered a payment. They cut you a check. Hmm. Yeah, well that's Intel. They can do that. It, it is, and I got a lovely, lovely, decent sum of money for my two watches out of that. You buy too much stuff, man. The Basis Watch was a good watch. They also did notifications right, and they were really good on the health stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you have an Apple Watch yet? Uh, I I have the original one. Yeah. I have I have the original one, and I updated it, and I'm for whatever reason it just doesn't stick with me. You know, maybe it's because you have to charge it every night. That's part of it. Um, that, and I'm kind of a traditional watch guy also. So I have tons of automatic and mechanical watches and I like wearing those. And so I'll take the Apple watch off and then it's easy to not put it back on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't worn my Apple watch for a while. Just out of a, um, habit, I guess. Because I don't normally wear a watch. And I wore the Apple Watch for like a year. And then for some reason I, I, I took it off. I think I went on a trip or something and I didn't want to bring it with the charger and all that stuff. And I just stopped wearing it altogether. Yeah. And, you know, there are, there are tons of people trying to address that through like third-party charging accessories for travel. But I just, it hasn't caught for me. And maybe I need to give it another chance again. Yeah. Well, it just needs that. I don't know. I, it, to me, it doesn't have a uh, that killer feature yet, and the concessions that you have to make to, you know, to to get the features that it does offer are not worth it. I suppose. Although the the second generation one. Uh, does alleviate some of those concerns with a faster processor. Do you have a second gen one? No. No. Okay. Thinking about it, but I don't know. I like the idea of it being nearly waterproof. 
I, uh, I, I like the idea of it being faster, although the updates made the, the first one seem fast enough to me. Um, I just, you know, I liked it when I wore it well enough. I just, I like wearing other watches too. And that breaks it for me. Mm. I feel like you have, if you're going to wear an Apple watch, you kind of have to commit to it. Yeah. It's something that you kind of need to wear on a daily basis to get the most out of it, especially the fitness. Yeah. Track. And I tried fine tuning the notifications that I'd get from it. And I just had a hard time really getting it down to just the notifications I cared about. Yeah. It, it was, it's, it's, it's a fine balance because I want to be notified of something, but I don't necessarily want to have it sitting in this long list of 50 things that I don't care about to dismiss. Even if I can dismiss them all at once, it's, it's like, I want to have the notification that a tweet thing happened, but I don't need to have it sitting in that list. Yeah. Notifications on a small screen are kind of hard to manage, especially with the bombardment that we get every day. And the calendar thing is also kind of an issue, right? If if I'm doing a uh, a multi day event, and I have other events, other other calendar items that happen within that event, the notifications for that become weird. And that was something that the Pebble stuff got right. Yeah, it's like you almost need to not have multi day events for the Apple Watch calendar notifications to work effectively for me. Oh, well, what was it doing? Um, it was in this weird situation, and I was talking about this with Victor Agreda Jr. also, and and I mentioned him because he used to be the editor-in-chief of the unofficial Apple weblog. Mm-hmm. He's a good friend. And and basically, he was saying that if you, um, if you get a multi-day calendar event, that it, it shows that, but then doesn't show other notifications within that kind of thing, oh. um, yeah. which is, is, you know, not ideal at all um it's like calendars are are kind of an issue with uh apple in general right we had the icloud calendar event spam oh god i hate yeah did you get any of those i got a few ton i got a ton for ray-bans oh yeah i know and oakley i didn't get oakley some people got louis vuitton and ugg boots discount ones so so here's the problem with calendar invite spam for our listeners is, is, and this is weird because it seems like it's been possible all this time, but no one's bothered to figure it out until now. But if someone sends you a calendar invite, you can, there are these invites are coming in as emails into your iCloud.com account and they're automatically converted into in-app push notifications to iOS and Mac OS. And when that's happens, the original email is deleted. So it then turns into a calendar invite. And if you accept it, it notifies the person that you've accepted. And if you try and decline it because you don't want their spam, it still notifies them that your email address is real and therefore they can keep sending you spam. So none of that's an ideal situation. And so what you have to do is, is log into iCloud.com in your web browser and then click on calendar and click on settings and preferences advanced and under invitations, set the option for receive event notifications as an email rather than the in-app notification which is basically saying go back to doing things the old way so that they uh, they don't become spam that you can't avoid. And if you need to delete them, you can't delete them without notifying someone. So what you have to do is create a new calendar and then move the spam event to the new calendar and then delete the whole new calendar. And that will let you to delete without notifying. Suffice to say that Apple is looking into this so that they can figure out how to prevent it without forcing people to go back to the old way of doing things. Mm-hmm. 
because, you know, defeats the purpose of doing all the good stuff that they do. Yeah. Um, it could be hard for them to do that. Although they do have, I mean, luckily it's all within their ecosystem and whoever is sending all those invites has to be also have an iCloud account. So yeah, I guess I could look into who's sending out mass. Well, not necessarily. They don't, if they're just sending it as an email with the calendar invite on it, that's enough. Is it doesn't, but if it's a calendar invite, um, it doesn't have to be from an iCloud account. Doesn't it have to go through their system though? Uh, just to the iCloud email, yeah. So they can see who's sending them, but you know that's that's doesn't necessarily make it easy to block the spam. Yeah, easier than if it was Ish. out of yeah network. Right. So if if you're invited to a multi-day event, it it basically takes over calendar notifications. Um, so that it doesn't show the other events that are happening. And and this especially happens through, you know, say if you had Facebook and Facebook events allowed you to add be added to a multi-day event, um, then it just it just doesn't show anything else that you've got going on on your calendar, which makes your phone kind of your watch kind of useless. Mm-hmm. So that's the frustration. Managing this stuff is hard. Pebble did it really well. We'll see if Fitbit can do it well too. Yes, we will. And we'll see if there's room in this this marketplace for an additional watch. You know, it's it's very funny, but the uh, right there's the Apple Watch. Um, Pebble was struggling, obviously, or else they wouldn't have gotten a purchased. Uh, Samsung's Gear S3 they're on now kind of exists. I do know one person who has a Gear S2. Um, and whenever I see people wearing the watches, whether it's a Gear S2 or a Apple Watch or whatever, I, I ask people, "What do you wear this for? Why are you wearing it?" What, what utility do you get out of it? Why'd you buy it? And they, they mostly have different answers, but they're sensible answers. They're, they're, I need notifications and I can't use my phone at work. Um, that's, that's been basically the biggest one. And it's always been about either I'm not allowed to use my phone at work and I needed to have notifications for some personal reason, like, you know, uh, my wife's having a baby kind of thing. So I bought the watch so I'd be able to know um, stuff like that. Mm. That seems to be the most common answer that I get is I can't use my phone at work. Interesting. And, you know, you and I don't have that problem. Maybe that's why we're not wearing the watch. Maybe. Maybe we... It, it seems like with the second version of the Apple Watch, they refocused it very, very uh, finely around sport. Yeah, yeah. And by refocusing it around sport, it's supposed to appeal better that way. It was interesting to me that they added... Um, and if you look at the list of, of uh, sports and activities that you can do, did you notice that hunting is in there? No. Hunting is in, is, is in there now. Um, also in there, and this is good. Let me take a look at this and I'll tell you. Um, so the, the, you know, there's, there's a complete list, right? Archery, football, badminton, bar, stuff like that. But you can label other workouts on there. You can label them as other and, and, and somewhat controversially, right? Hunting is on the list. I'm not sure if, uh, that really, I don't know. Depends what kind of hunting you do. There's a, a lot of different kinds of hunting. I, I suppose. I mean, yoga's on there. Totally get yoga. Um, racquetball. I get it. Mm. Um, there's one called play. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, golf. Sure. Gymnastics, functional training, cross-country skiing, cricket. Right? Totally cool. Totally get it. Um, 
but they're in the middle hunting. Weird. And and you can name other workouts, right? You can save, save a custom workout. So you start a workout with the type other, and when you're done, you swipe right and tap end and scroll to the bottom of your workout summary, and you can tap name workout and type the tap of tap the type of workout and save it. So you can go ahead and actually create your own special ones. You know, I, I imagine drummers creating one for drumming. Yeah. Hey, drumming's a workout, right? Definitely. Saw this in my app updates this morning. Netflix has enabled downloads of select content for offline viewing. Finally. Finally. So you use Netflix then, do you? Yep. So Stranger Things, Orange is the New Black, Narcos, and The Crown are available for download today. And when you update the app, you'll get a download now button available on the content that's downloads enabled. And you can download in standard and higher quality options. Um, we don't know what those resolutions are, what those bit rates are, but it, it means that you can totally go ahead and uh, download in advance of an airplane ride, for example, so that you can go ahead and make sure you can watch things on the plane. Definitely a plus. Netflix says that more are going to be available soon for download, and it's available for all phones and tablets and all that stuff. So pretty cool. You've been waiting for this feature for a while, I take it. Uh, I've unlimited data, so not really. You have unlimited data, so you don't really care. Yeah. You're still on AT&T. Yep. I take it. That's the only reason. Although the uh, reception where I live is is fairly good. Is it? Mm. Yeah. I think they might have the widest service area in Hawaii. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, it, it looks like Black Mirror is available for download, so I will be having a good look at that and uh, fun times. Now, T-Mobile is interesting because T-Mobile has uh, – they don't do a data charge for binge viewing on Netflix anyway. So what's not clear is if these downloads count towards that, that free use for binge viewing or if that's for streaming only. And I know that we've sent out a request to try and get an answer from T-Mobile on that, but we don't have a response yet. Yeah. Yeah. Mikey, do you, ha- you, you had an iPhone success, didn't you? Yep. So were you at all concerned about this battery issue that's that going on? did not impact me. Did not impact you? No. So what Apple's done in response to all of this, <laughs> they've got a web page where owners of a success can enter their serial number and... Then when you enter your serial number, it will tell you if you're eligible to obtain a battery replacement. And if you are, then you contact Apple technical support, an Apple store, or an authorized service provider, and your phone will get the replacement battery. Yeah, I'm not sure if, I mean, that's all well and good, but I have heard reports that um, people are experiencing the same issue after updating to uh, 10 point, I think actually just the... uh, the original iOS 10, um, like uh, people with the 5S and SE are also seeing that same issue. Mm. So I don't know. Might not be just a bad batch of batteries. Could be a deeper issue with the firmware or something. Mm. Well, the affected iPhones that Apple recognizes were built between September and October of 2015. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and the issue is that the phone will shut down without warning, even if you have plenty of charge left. Yep. And so if, if it's a wider issue, that's not clear yet, but that's something that, that we'll keep a watch for. Definitely. And of course, if you've already paid someone to replace the battery or fix the issue, you should be able to pursue getting a refund for the repair costs. Yep. As per usual. Yes. So the last item I want to talk about here is about phones again. Um, this one is in reference not to anything that Apple's made lately, but about Microsoft and Nokia. Yes. So the, the history was that there was this company called Nokia, and Nokia made phones for many years. They made feature phones, flip phones, and smartphones, and they were purchased by Microsoft. And what did Microsoft do with them? Uh, they basically ruined the entire line. Well, they, uh, yeah, they basically ruined the whole thing. Well, well they made some very beautiful hardware. Yeah. Oh, come on. The Lumia 800 was pretty classy. Yeah. Subjectively. They, they made some competent hardware. Mm. The they software made, was no bueno. Well, the Windows of late on the Windows phone, the, the Windows 10 version on it, is not bad. Not the one on the Lumia. That's not no. Windows 10, no. Now, Windows like Mobile. Windows phone? Windows, Windows phone and Windows Mobile, no good. I kind of liked Windows Phone, especially after it got to the the 10 version. It was it was pretty good. It it got better. I had Windows Phone 7.8 for a long while, and then I updated it. And it was these were my backup phones. I have spare phones lying around for travel and things like that. And uh, it, it was it was a decently fast thing to use. Granted, the rest of the software wasn't there, and they totally ruined the App Store when they changed the way that they did the App Store and deleted a bunch of apps instead of just letting people update their metadata. They, they required developers to add flags for, uh, for age-related, age-required kind of things. You know, is, is this for all ages or is this for 17-year-olds and older kind of thing? And instead of just letting developers update the metadata, which would have been a good move, they required developers to upload a fresh build. And many developers decided that they could not be bothered because they didn't feel like it was worth being in the Windows Store at that point. Sad. And Microsoft deleted all of the apps, which is kind of like you know falling on your own sword. Yeah, it's kind of sad. So they they committed suicide by ruining the brand. They committed suicide by ruining their app store. And for a very brief point in time, they made an Android phone. So they had the really good hardware. And they had an operating system that wasn't a complete orphan. And they made one single model of it and then orphaned the heck out of that too. So that's the history. What's happened as of this morning is that Microsoft has licensed out the brand, Nokia, to a company called HMD Global, which is mostly staffed by Nokia executives in Finland. And the deal is a 10-year deal. So what's happened here as of this morning is that Microsoft has set up a licensing agreement with HMD Global. HMD Global is staffed in Finland by Nokia executives. So this is a 10-year deal that's leading to all new Nokia phones. And they're going to be Android-based. They're going to be manufactured by Foxconn. So the same people that make the iPhone are going to make 
the uh, the the HMD Global phone. It's going to be labeled Nokia. It's going to be staffed by executives who know how to make a Nokia phone or know what goes into a Nokia phone. And HMD Global is going to have to pay royalties for the Nokia brand and patents. But and and Nokia as a corporate entity has no investment in the firm. But there's going to be a Nokia phone back. Semi excited. Okay, so. HMD says the market's fatigued and flooded with undifferentiated products. We believe we can make a new way in mobile. A new way to the a new way to the bottom? Could be. They believe they can be competitive. So do you, they, they don't want to be one of the key competitive players in the smartphone business, is what they say. What do you think about that? Uh yeah. I mean, like we were talking about earlier, if if they uh, there's many many ways to slice that pie, and if you want the the low end, which is a significant amount of uh, smartphone buyers, then yeah, they can make a they can make a good business out of it. Depends what they do. Yeah, I mean, it depends what key and competitive mean. Would be nice to have a. Uh, very high-end Android phone. Well, I mean, you, there have been several. You, well, you one, like that, the, one that one that works and does not explode. Um, I I liked my Nexus Six P made by Huawei. Huawei. And I hear the Pixel is not terrible. Yeah, I want to try the Pixel out. And to be fair, I mean, if we're really really clear, um, I bought a fifty-dollar Android phone over the weekend. Oh, which one? I picked up an Alcatel, uh, Alcatel Pop Four Plus, hmm. which has I I can't remember a five point five inch screen. It runs Marshmallow. Um, it was unlocked. It has dual SIM slots and SD card slots. Yep. And it is not terrible. I mean, I I, I definitely feel like for the money, I made out. You know, I, I, I could not have argued had they charged much more for that device. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I might not on. have bought it right away, but it certainly is a good device. $50, eh? It's uh, $50, 5.5 inch display and, and dual SIM slots and unlocked. Not wrong. And it's running Marshmallow by default. That's not wrong. Nope. I, I, I you know, and, and prices for this kind of stuff are falling all around us, right? Amazon was running deals on their, their Fire 8 HD 8-inch tablet, which also runs Android, and that thing from Amazon, 60 bucks for a tablet. Also also good. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's getting difficult to, to say no to some of these things. Mm. You know, when you need a spare phone, that's an easy way to go, and you get something that's up-to-date and, and works. Is it as nice as an Apple iPhone? No. Is it as nice as Apple's ecosystem? No. Does it work? Yes. Yeah. I mean, then, uh, consider. Consider. I, I was hanging out with someone tonight uh, who had a Samsung device on T-Mobile, and the screen was cracked. And you know, you'd pay more for a screen replacement than you would for spending another fifty bucks and getting another device. Yeah. The ultimate consumer product. I'm saying. And so if Nokia comes along and they make phones that are affordable, more affordable than my $50 Alcatel, for example, and they sell them into all the places that used to buy Nokia flip phones, Nokia feature phones, they would definitely be a key competitor, wouldn't you think? Yep. Could be. 
we should see. The only thing that we need to think about and pay attention here is it says they're using Foxconn for manufacturing. And I expect that this is probably the right thing to do for them. But Foxconn is a very large manufacturer with very different teams within it. Yeah. Right? There's the A team who really, really works on Apple's products. There's the B team who works on some of their one's contract products. And then, you know, it goes on and on, right? There are teams in there that will work on your product. But if you're too small a customer, you're not going to get the level of attention you need to get. So it's entirely possible, depending on the size of order that they place, that the quality may or may not be there. We shall see. We will find out and we will let you know all about it on another episode of the Apple Insider Podcast. Mikey, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, at MikeyCampbell81 on the Twitters or AppleInsider.com. Excellent. I'm Victor Marks. I'm your host, and I'm on AppleInsider.com and uh, VMarks on Twitter and elsewhere on the internet. It's been great talking to you, and if you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave us reviews on iTunes and also contact us on Twitter and let us know what you thought about it. Uh, We hope to have Dan Dilger back next week, and it's been great talking with you.